He went from making money on Wall Street to making pizza in Hot Springs. Anthony Villanotti from DeLuca's, a look at all the things to do, including three days worth of fireworks here in the Spa City, and a peek at what to expect on Lakes Hamilton, Catherine, and the Washita River, all ahead on Hot Springs This Week. Hot Springs This Week, a look at things to do and people to meet in Hot Springs, America's first resort. Welcome to Episode 4 of Hot Springs This Week. I'm Neil Gladner. We thank you for tuning in. You can find us not only on Apple and Google, but Stitcher, Spotify, and several other platforms. If you like us, we hope you'll drop us a line. You can follow us on Twitter at HSThisWeek. We're going to change up our order a little this week. We'll still talk about all the things you can do in Hot Springs, including all the fireworks. Jennifer and I will run that down for you in a little bit. But this week, we start with Anthony Villanotti. As you'll see, he grew up in the Bronx, has a love for pizza, but his love for food didn't really develop for many years, as he says, when he had the money to really go out and enjoy it. Here's my conversation with DeLuca's Anthony Villanotti. So the obvious question starts with, how does a guy who used to be in Wall Street money end up making pizza in Hot Springs, Arkansas? Serendipity. It's just where I was supposed to be, and uh, I'm thankful that I am uh, have wound up here with this crazy idea that I thought about about 10 or 12 years ago. I, mean, it was, I think my parents have passed away 10 years now. And it was something that I did after my parents had passed away. I had left New York 20-odd uh, years ago and lived all over the place. And I just couldn't understand why people couldn't make pizza the way I was used to. It was just this, you know, this just very, very reminiscent childhood memory of what pizza really was. And um, I had gone out to Naples after my both parents had passed away. And I learned from a little old Italian lady how to cook. And I lived with her, and she was one of these great influences in my life. And uh, she taught me how to make pizza, and she taught me how to cook. And I sat on the idea for a few years, and I wasn't really sure where I wanted to live. I wasn't sure if I wanted to go back to California or Florida uh, or Vegas, which I love. And you know, I like Vegas, but it doesn't really like me, uh, kind of, th- you know, kind of thing. And I decided I was going to do it in Pasadena, and I had a little place uh, picked out. It was a really small little place uh, right off of uh, Colorado Boulevard. I'll never forget it. And somehow the deal fell through. I got aggravated. I got on the plane. I checked into the Wynn Hotel. And I lost a few bucks, let's put it that way. I, my room wasn't ready, and I decided to make some bad decisions and go gamble. But it's funny how you make all these mistakes, and it turns out to be right. So after that little gambling session went south, uh, I walk into a bar, and uh, there was this guy that, who I just happened to know from Las Vegas for about 20-odd years. And he told me, point blank, he said, if it wasn't for my ex-wife, I would live in Hot Springs, Arkansas. The, the next day, uh, Southwest had a direct flight. To, to Little Rock. He said he was a building developer down here and he had, he'd done some strip malls and stuff and he had an old pizzeria way up on Park Avenue, I guess where the Family Dollar is. So that was your original location The here. original location was by the Family Dollar and it was, unfortunately, we just couldn't open it. And I, and I thought that, and I thought to myself, I was like, you know, I've come all this way and, you know, I, I actually, so I visited for one day and I decided that this is where I wanted to do it. And I went back and told my friends and my family and they kind of looked at me quizzically like, Okay, this, we don't even understand what you're thinking about. But I knew in my heart and soul what I'd seen when I'd gotten here. And I knew that this was reminiscent, again, of another childhood memory, which was Saratoga. And it reminded me so much of Saratoga. And, you know, I stayed at the Arlington, 
And I was just sitting on the, ba- uh, the, the, the balcony having a drink, and I just said, you know what, this is, the, this is where it's supposed to be. So we tried to open the original one, and that didn't work. Uh, the health department won't let us open. I think it was some bathroom, radio, whatever, whatever it was. Uh, and about two weeks later, we found 407 uh, Park Avenue. It popped up, and, you know, that was almost six years ago now, Neil. Maybe not instantly, but almost instantly, the original Belucas on Park Avenue was a huge hit with foodies. I mean, folks all over Arkansas are raving about Belucas within a few months of you opening. Did that surprise you? Oh, absolutely, because I would tell people that it wasn't very good, and I I really felt that. We did something right. I would say I did something right. I wasn't really sure what I had done right at that point. I I had felt really like a complete fish out of water because this is something I never, you know, undertook in my life. I I had done, you know, a lot of jobs as a kid and and worked on Wall Street and all. But this was just different. This was, I was terrified. You know, I I was terrified every day I walked in there. I I felt like every day was my last pizza I was going to make. Because I didn't think it was really good enough. It, it didn't meet that standard that was in my head. And, but people seemed to love it. And, I, you know, the funny thing about it six years later is that we've really not changed any of the ingredients. The, so what I started out with, what I thought was the right idea of what it should taste like, is still in place. It's just that I got better at what I did. And I found better people to work with me and help me. You come from... Investment banking, I guess, is a fair say. To, I, was a, to, I was a money broker. Yeah. I, I brokered money. Into, into the restaurant business. So did you, did you take a class? Did you have a mentor? How steep was the learning curve in those early days? The learning curve was just amazing. And, and, and a lot of it was whatever I, I, did, I learned in Italy, I brought back with me. But it didn't really translate very well because I really didn't do it. You know, I made pizza in a house. And, and to this day, my sister always tells me this is the funniest thing ever. She goes... She goes, you've made two pizzas, you know, she goes, you know, you can't really do this. And I said, yeah, well, you know, I'm just, you know, I was like, yeah, man, I don't have the oven. You know, I was, I was using all kinds of excuses. I, I really, you know what? I don't know what made me think that I could. And the learning curve was that I made these catastrophic mistakes, but I did learn. But, but at least I was smart enough to understand that not to do that again. So you, you start to hone the box in uh, as to what is right and what is wrong. So if I did this, I saw that this happened. And that was a good, that was, it was like, that, that I just learned, I just really learned to do it on my own. So what, what was like one of those catastrophic mistakes? Oh, just, the dough making was impossible. That's the impossible part about this. Again, the ingredients we buy, we've never changed. It's still the same tomatoes. It's still the same cheese. It's still the same olive oils. It's, it's all of those same things. It's just... How do you put together something that's living? Like dough is living, and uh, some nights it wants to grow a little bit more than you expected it to, and some days it doesn't. And it's what's that heat level? Where where is it? Where is the sweet spot for dough to actually ferment and rise properly? And that was still even today. I think we we always it's our biggest thing that we face is is maintaining what that dough is, and that's really the whole essence of the. Of pizza. When you're talking about the heat level, you're not talking about the oven. You're talking about no, no, the, talking the about ambient room temperature. The ambient room temperature. So we never really had a dedicated place where we could actually make it because back then the kitchen was so small and so hot that if I would leave the, the dough in there, it would just be overproofed and you would, sometimes it wouldn't be usable. Uh, or if we put it outside in the dining room, it was too cold. So we had to find this way of doing it. And then 
we really started to focus on water temperatures and, and how much yeast we were using. And again, it became this crazy science experiment in a lot of ways. Now, the pizzas you had as a kid, were they pizzas at restaurants in your neighborhood, or is it something your mom made? No, my mom was, uh, my mom made reservations. She didn't really like to, uh, she was, she, she, she wasn't a big fan of the cooking, I can tell you that. But um, what it really, really came down to was that it was all these places in Brooklyn that we had, and, and they were ubiquitous. They were everywhere, right? I mean, you know, you had coal, you had coal oven pizza, and you had regular, you know, regular sliced pizza, and you had pizza restaurants. And, you know, I, as a kid, I didn't eat too much. I was, uh, my father, you know, always questioned my, uh, if he was my son. I mean, I really didn't, I, I was, it's so funny now that I've become so in love with food that I was very, very res uh, hesitant to eat anything. I mean, I pretty much ate pasta, I ate pizza, I ate hamburgers. And um, I'd steak. That was it. My father really thought I was Irish. And he was like, okay, you, there's no way you can be my son. And I think, I, I was, it, truthfully, I didn't have a grilled cheese until I was like 18 years old. It, it was just this thing, but I, I liked what I liked, right? And if I liked it, that's all it was to it. And then as I got older and I worked on Wall Street, the, the seminal meal in my life was my first lunch on Wall Street. Um, they take me to a place called Le Cirque. And at the time, Daniel Balud was the chef there. And Daniel Boone now is one of the great chefs in all the world. And I had a dish of, uh, I'll never forget it, I had a dish of risotto with white truffles. And I went, is, is that what food really is supposed to taste like? And I was amazed by it. And then that made me, uh, Wall Street and that, and that desire to eat more gave me an expense account that I can go to any restaurant I wanted to. And that's when I started to eat. And that's when I started to really fall in love with food and all types of food. So I want to come back to the pizza, the Lucas, and, and a little confession from me to you. I've never told you this story before, but I, I've become a big fan of the Lucas. The first time when we first moved to Hot Springs, we went there because everybody said, you got to go to Lucas. Mm -hmm. And we went in and we ordered, I don't know, I don't remember exactly what we ordered, but it was a lot of ingredients we piled on it like you would at sure, a lot of places. And we walked away, Anthony, saying, I don't get it. I don't understand what was so special. And then a, a few months later, we thought, Let's, maybe we'd hit them on an off night. And we go back. I had a lot of off nights in the beginning. And, no, I, I think this was <laughs> us did. because we <laughs> noticed something on the menu that we hadn't seen before. Mm -hmm. And it was it's in small letters at the bottom of the menu that suggests try to limit your pizza to two to three ingredients. So that's what we did. We picked three ingredients, and I still remember it was it was the meatball, mushrooms, and onions. I think is what we mm -hmm. added, and it was like an entirely different experience. So, talk to me about why it's so important at the Lucas to not overdo it when you're ordering. Because the base pizza itself is, we think, really good. Okay, and I think what a lot of people. I never ate anything more than pepperoni or cheese as, as a kid growing up in New York. So the idea of, of the, the base pizza, the, the cheese pizza itself, has to really be very, very good. And we've gotten to the point with it, we feel like it is really, really good. And it doesn't need to be covered up. A lot of pizza has just, just this terrible, you know, this, this just not good sauce and it's just not good dough. And it's just, you have to just pile things on. And at some point, it will taste good, right? It will. It'll eventually taste good. But to us, that's not the way we look at it. And that's not the way I look at it, personally. I think the cheese pizza is just perfectly fine. And I always tell people, like they said, send me out something. I send them out cheese pizza, and they look at me like I've, I've lost my mind. 
But the reality is that's what I stand by. That's my gold standard. That's the, that's the gold medal. You have to be able to make that taste good. Otherwise, nothing else really can taste good. So, I can buy all the best meats in the world, and I have them. But I don't need them in, in conjunction with just that, that base. I think the base so when, when you order pizza at DeLuca's, there's four, you can choose from If you don't pick one that's pre-selected mm-hmm. with ingredients, you can choose from four bases. And so you know, tell me. I had nothing to do with those because those were friends that came in. Right. Like I said, so I would never put those combinations together, right? I created a couple of them. I created the Patsy Cersei because I liked the idea of sweet and hot. And I thought that was a, an interesting idea. But generally... There are four choices. There's pepperoni, there's sausage, there's mushrooms. We, we roast our own mushrooms, obviously. Uh, Neil, help me. Uh, meatballs, uh, homemade sausage. What's, there's, a, there's a pepper kind of, I can't remember what it's called. The pepperdew is the, the pepperdew. It's a, it's, a, it's a South African fruit. It's a cross between a maraschino cherry and hot pepper. And my father used to love them. My mother used to buy them all the time. So I always, I always was absolutely in love with those. And I felt like they would actually kind of be good on pizza instead of, you know, hot, hot. It's kind of sweet hot, you know, and it's, right. it, 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 it appeals to a, a few more people. But there's, but there's four bases before you add anything yeah. to the meat. Before you even put a piece of pepperoni on it, mm-hmm. as a customer, you choose from the four bases. Yes. So what, what are those? Those are just, like I said, that, that would be just a regular standard cheese pizza. Then we have the uh, we have buffalo mozzarella we bring in from Italy, uh, which is, would just be one base. Then we make our own, we make our own mozzarella now in-house, so we call that the Sidetown Pizza, and that's just the regular base. It's three It's three cheeses. It's this blend of three cheeses we have, plus the fresh mozzarella, and then the Sarah Meadows, which is just uh, kind of really a, a little garlic and a little oregano and I think some hot pepper on it, and that's kind of really the basis of the vegetarian. Uh, or the, the, it's a, yeah, it's a veggie pie, really, is, is the basis for that. So the last couple of times we've been, we've started with the Sarah Meadows and, and just added two ingredients. Yeah, and that's it. And I think it's, it's I think you see the difference, right? It doesn't need, again, all those meats that I buy, they don't really, really talk very, very well to each other. You know, the prosciutto de parma from Italy that's aged for three years and, you know, and pepperoni really have never been a good combination, okay? And But people want to try these crazy things and I'm like, no, it's not, it's not the way to do it, <laughs> But... But, uh, you know, I, I just want you to enjoy it. And, and, I, and again, I think just having pepperoni pizza or having sausage pizza is just perfectly good. Or pepperoni and sausage is about as far as I'll go. You know, I'm really not, I'm not really going into the deep end on anything else, Neil, to be very honest with you. All right. So since the opening, now the, the menu has grown in terms of appetizers, mm-hmm. in terms of now serving lunch. Uh, the meatballs, the macaroni, I say macaroni and cheese, but it's, it's, that's doesn't do its service in my, and I'm, uh, but, but talk about how those things, how did you grow the menu? How did you decide when it was time to add certain things like you do in, and a pasta tray that's fabulous. That the first thing that we added, yeah. that was the first thing that we added was the antipasto plate was, which was again, something that was on my, my mother's table every Sunday. And it was just an easy thing, you know. It was just some some good cheese, some good meats, and you know, we back then I only had one deck, so I I really couldn't go any faster than I did. I could only make two pizzas at once back in those days, so people would wait, and you know, it, it, we didn't know for salads, we didn't know for anything. I mean, I had paper plates and no cups. Remember, you know, it was just the, the worst restaurant in the history of the world. I still have no idea why it's still open. <laughs> I, I'm the guy who did everything wrong. Right, I am the guy who did everything wrong, and somehow it turned out right. Uh, but I started to to think, what would people? What else would people like? I mean, obviously, 
I didn't really think I was going to get this far, to be honest with you, Neil. I didn't think I was ever going to get to this point where, again, I think this was just an exercise and something that um, I wanted to do. And I would, I would have been fine failing. I failed at plenty of things in my life. Uh, failure wouldn't, failure didn't scare me. Failure is just the learning, what you learn from. But is it that freedom to fail that maybe made you successful? Probably so. Uh, I think I was very, very technical when I first started. And, you know, I was trying to think of these principles that I learned and, and, and they just didn't seem to work in the, in the real world. And, you know, I, I'd sit in the backyard some nights and, and I would just be, completely dehydrated. I mean, I, the, the place, the restaurant was so hot. The kitchen was so hot. And I would just sit out there and I would say to myself, you know, at some point you got to realize that you're not going to play for the Yankees in your life, right? At some point you realize as a kid, you're not going to play for the New York Yankees. Uh, but the one question, whether I was sick after work or just exhausted or whatever it was, because back then I really did so much of it by myself. I mean, there was only two or three of us back then. And... Um, I would sit in the backyard, but I would say to myself, you know what? You haven't come to that point where quitting is an option because you haven't exercised every stone. You haven't turned over every stone yet. You still have a long way to go. Again, if you get to that wall and you realize that I can't go any further and I'm, you know, this is it. You, you come to grips with it. You come to grips with your failure and, or your success, whatever it is. And you say, okay, that's enough. Uh, I never got there. So every day I, I got up in the morning, I thought of something new to do. I thought of something. So, again, the evolution of working on the pizza was really what it's all about. Had I made that pizza that I really had in my head back then, no, I wasn't even close to it. You know, so that's when we started to add things to the, to the menu. And as we, as we became a little bit more successful, we felt like people needed, we wanted people better things. And then I, I hired Zach. Uh, Zach Nix came in to help me. And that changed so much of it because he was a chef. You know, he was a real chef. He understood how to store things and he understood how to, how to buy things. And, you know, I was just buying, I was just, everything was whimsical. I did. I mean, I, again, I wrote a lot of bad checks. I can promise you that uh, to keep the place open. I would, I would call it bad check Friday. I, I swear. I would give people checks and go, you know, what? that check's really not good today. I said, but if you let me work the weekend, It'll probably be good, and thank God they did turn out to be good by Monday. But uh, it was it was this very very chaotic thing, and he brought. Uh, I love chaos. A Wall Street guy always loves chaos, sure. but not in a restaurant. So now, are you emotionally trapped by your success, or is it a thing of joy every night? Oh, it's a thing of joy every night. It's uh, it's a very emotional thing for me because. All we're really doing now, like I said, I think what freed me up totally was this. That technical aspect of what I was doing, I was like, okay, this is just wrong. This is just not the way to approach it. And I'll never forget uh, what Anna Cimina told me when I lived with her in Italy. I was just sitting out on a balcony one day, and I just was just scribbling a drawing or whatever I was doing. And she said, you see what you're doing? You're expressing your emotions. She said, always remember, when you cook, you need to express your emotions through your food. And I didn't really understand what that meant. That's a very, very heady concept. You know, it's, well, no, you got to make, the, you know, to me, everything cooking was very, very technical. And cooking is not technical at all. So that allowed me to say, oh, wait a minute. I'm just going to paint pictures now. Okay. I'm just going to try to paint these beautiful, delicious little pictures and forget about the technical side of it. We threw, I threw the whole technical aspect out one night and said, okay, we've got to follow the rules on how to make dough and this and that. But I don't think I was really making pizzas very, very well. 
And I just said, you know what? I'm just going to paint pictures at this point. So obviously the pizzas have to be consistent so people get they the do. same thing Absolutely. every time they come back. But so it's adding to the same, I feel. Yeah, yeah but is, is adding the appetizers and now opening for lunch, is that the artistic part where you let yourself get a little freer? Absolutely. And that's it, it freed us way up. Lunch really, really freed us up because we're, we're able to do so many more things that we want to try. You know, the hamburger became this this crazy phenomenon. Uh, you know, but but that was the idea. Again, nobody loves hamburgers more than I do, right? And I'll eat a hamburger every day for lunch. I mean, that's just my go-to meal. So, but it, it allowed us, like I said, to, to, to make other things that we feel that are really good that people will enjoy. Uh, but again, Zach, you know, Zach provided all of that structure that I needed to allow me to be free, to say, okay, you know what? We're going to make meatballs now. And here's my recipe. And we work on the recipe. And then we hone the recipe down. The recipe gets written down and it's made the same way. So that's what the chef does. Me, I'm like, okay, I want to do this. I want to do this. I have all these off the wall ideas on things that I want to do. And they kind of look at me like, he's serious. He wants us to make macaroni and cheese and he wants us to make this and he wants us to make fresh pasta, which we do now. So, so does Zach instill the discipline that emotional Anthony needs? <laughs> Absolutely. There, there has to be the yin and the yang. And he is my discipline. Like I said, th these kids now, him, Zach, we have Teddy Gerard that works with us. We have uh, Caleb Day that works with us. There's only four of us in the kitchen. So there's only four people that touch your food in that place at some point. But those guys do all the legwork. Those guys do all of the hard work now. They make all the dough. They make, again, we've, we've taught them, we've taught everybody how to do this, right? So they can do it, which allows me to be freer. And that's the beautiful thing about it. You love coming out into the restaurant and, and greeting your guests, don't you? I do, because I always feel, Neil, that this, this, is, this should have never worked. And I'm always grateful that anytime anybody walks in the restaurant, I always say this, people have this preposition that they think they should come to their restaurant. No, I'm ha you, your money's green. You can go anywhere you want. Why are you going to come here? I feel, I feel so, uh, so happy inside. I, I, I feel so emotional when I see the restaurant full of people and it's like, I just want to say thank you, you know? This didn't come from you. The last time we were there, well, a few times back, we had bruschetta mm -hmm. for an appetizer. We wanted it again and, and we were told no bruschetta tonight. And I gathered, if I, if I read between the lines, you couldn't get the tomatoes you wanted to make the bruschetta. Exactly, I'm not gonna give you something that uh, I wouldn't serve you. We, just because it's on the menu, doesn't mean that it, 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 everything's seasonal with us. Well, there's so many things. We stopped making caprese salads in January and February and March because we can't get really good tomatoes, you know, and we probably, our farmer probably didn't deliver them, uh, our, our tomatoes that day, and that's why it wasn't on the menu. I have a farmer in um, Magnet Cove that grows everything for us. Uh, along with Arkansas Natural, we use, we use them for our salads and our greens, but uh, Paul Butterfield is my, basically my farmer. He grows, everything he grows, I buy. So there's a big thing in the restaurant business, this farm-to-table movement. has. Mm -hmm. did, did you have farm-to-table in mind when you got started, or was it your need to find a consistency that led you to do that? Well, I like I liked the idea of local, right? And, and local is always good. Local is always better to me. Uh, we support our farmers. We support the people that, that, that grow things. Uh, being a farmer is an incredibly difficult thing. And finding somebody that knows how to do it properly and well you know, that, that's the other thing about local and sourcing and all these crazy things is that what really is local, right? What is, is local 25 miles? Is local 50 miles? You know, what is local? Um, are you using a farmer that uses pesticides? We don't want that guy, right? That's, whether he's local or not, that's, we're not going to use him. We want, we want someone who's doing it right, who's doing it the right way. 
and uh, Paul is, has been doing it the right way for us for years. He really started this little farm, and, and I said, everything you grow, I will buy, you know. So you started opening Sundays. You started adding lunch mm -hmm. to the menu. So you, you've had some growth. You added several appetizers, <laughs> but you've got more help than you did before. I do. So begs the question, what's next? Oh, close it down. <laughs> no. Close it down because I've had, because I'm too old for this. Nobody starts a restaurant at 50 and thinks they're going to get away with it. Uh, I'm 56 now. Uh, <laughs> as you can see my, by my appearance this morning, I'm not in the best of shape. But what's next? Um, I just want to continue to make DeLuca great. DeLuca's great. That's it. I, I don't really want anything else. I, I'm approached every day, literally every day, to go somewhere else and, and to put this into another state and to do this and to go here and to go there. And I've said no to everyone. I love my life here in Hot Springs. I really do. Um, is, is part of it because, not to be too personal, because you don't have to financially, you're okay, you're not forced oh, no, to grow? no, I week for a living. No, I, I mean, I go in and I make my living every week. I spend all my money in Vegas on women drinking and gambling, and the other half, I, you know, I wasted, as W.C. <laughs> Fields once said. Uh, no, I, I, don't, I don't have that cushion. I don't. I, that's why I think there's, a, there's always a sense of urgency when I go to work, which is I need to be the best I can be. Because this is it. I mean, this is, hang, this is a string. It's always been a, it's always been on a string. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, people think the restaurant business, you know, in order to, to really make money in the restaurant business, you have to have multiple restaurants. That's the only way to do it. Uh, this is this is really more of a this is a, a lifestyle business. Right. I mean, this is just my this is my lifestyle. Again, I'm a restaurant that's only open 29, 30 hours a week. I'm not a restaurant that, you know, is open seven days a week, 24-7. So money really is, I, I hate to say this, and I, I, I want people to take me the wrong way. Money is very, very important in life. We all understand that. But DeLucas was never really based on making money. DeLucas was based on making something great. And that was the whole goal. And I always felt like, you know, I wasn't going to worry about that aspect of it. If I knew in my heart and soul that I did everything right, you know, I was doing everything right to, to give people great food, the results would take care of themselves. You know, we'd be okay. So th there are writers who have said DeLuca's is the best pizza in Arkansas. Did you start out wanting that? Are you surprised by that? And when I say what's next, I mean, that's, that's part of it. No, I wanted to make the best pizza in the world. I didn't want to make the best pizza just in Arkansas. I, wanted, I think you have to have lofty goals, okay? I, I, I said, if I was going to do something, I wanted to be the best at it. I mean, it's my, whole, my whole life has been based on that, right? If I was going to work on Wall Street, I better be damn good at what I did. If I was going to do this, if I was going to gamble, I better be damn good at it. You know, whatever. Are you a better pizza maker than gambler? Oh, hell yes. <laughs> that was a little bit of a living for me back in the day when I first moved to Las Vegas. But uh, but that's that Wall Street in you. That's that risk. You know, that's that person who loves risk. And I and I absolutely love risk. And again, this is nothing. This was all sweetened by risk. Uh, the, the whole idea of doing the restaurant. But, uh, you know, I, I just I just want to have enough money to to pay the kids, to pay the taxes to, to, to have something left over, and I have a wonderful life here. I do, but I, I did set out to make the best pizza in the world. So what's your personal favorite pizza at DeLuca's? Oh, at the side town. Side town with, uh, I would go half meatball, half um, sausage on the side town. It's my favorite. 
If I had to pick, if I had to pick, that would I again. We we started with that recipe. We that recipe's been with us for six years to make sausage, and we we've, we've made it the same way pretty much every day for the last. You make your six own years. sausage? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we don't do anything. Everything that comes in there has to be. Nothing comes out of a bag. On Wednesday, when uh, all our stuff comes in from Atlanta and New York and all the other places it comes from, it has to be broken down, hacked. We still buy 80-pound wheels of Parmigiano-Reggiano from Italy that have to be cut, opened, you know, taken down, grated. I mean, these kids doing. And an, an, I always say this, man. I, I'm just the face of the place now. The, those guys, those four guys behind me, the seven people out in front. That, that that's that's the Lucas. They're the backbone of the Lucas. I mean, I, I'm just the face of it now in a lot of ways. I love to cook and I love to make my pizza. I do and love to come up with hairball ideas on what's next that we're going to serve you. But uh, they're really, really, the, the those are the soldiers. All right. So if you're not out in Vegas gambling or drinking or any of those things, what are your other leisure time activities? Oh, I love to sit by the lake. I rented a, a, a little apartment over here on, by the lake, and uh, I just love being on the lake here in Hot Springs during the winter. Oh, d sorry, during the summer. There isn't a, we went out uh, the other day on the boat, and uh, a friend's boat, and just, is there anything more beautiful than sitting out on Lake Hamilton or Lake Washtenaw? As we wrap up, what's the next thing? Give us a, a surprise. Give us a tease. The next thing that you're working on that we will soon see on the menu at the Lucas. Oh, two things. Uh, fresh pasta, homemade pasta, and we we have this crazy cheesesteak we're working on. It's absolutely delicious. It, it, it's I haven't told anybody about it yet, but uh, we, we've come up with something that's pretty... Again, we make our own bread. So we start with our own bread, and then we, we, we buy this crazy prime rib... Uh, not prime rib, uh, ribeye steak. And uh, Zach sous-vis it, and it's just tender, and it's just delicious. And we make this crazy au jus and this crazy cheese sauce, and yeah, I need to. <laughs> will, will we see it sometime in July? Yeah, it'll be on, actually. It's, I think it's on the menu this week. But again, I haven't told anybody about it. I just want to make sure that it lives up to my standard again. Like I, I'll taste it one week, and I like it. And if I like it, then we'll go forward. You know, we'll move forward. It has to be good enough to meet my criteria of what food is. I just don't put food out there just to put food out there. You know, we're not just putting out these, these things. So, no, it has to be good. You have to be able to, if I like it, there's a really good chance you're going to like it because there's nobody pickier about food than me. Last question. What would Anthony today tell the Anthony who started six years ago about being in the restaurant business? Don't do it. <laughs> No, I, you know what? They're pretty much the same person. Um, they're actually very much the same person. I think what he would have told them was, you know, Neil, like I said, I didn't really think I was going to get this far. You know what? Just go with, I, I, I guess we've, I, I, I'll say the same thing. Just go with your gut and follow your gut and follow the idea of what it is that you perceive this to be. Did I perceive it to be this big? Never. And if I'm going to fail, I'm going to fail on my own terms. And, and that's always been my attitude, even uh, from day one to today, that if I'm going to fail, it's certainly going to be on my own terms, and I'm not going to worry too much about it at that point. It's all worked out okay. <laughs> the luckiest guy in the world, you know. Joe DeMille, what was it? Uh, who was the Yankee? I forgot. Lou Gehrig just said, I'm the luckiest man in the world. No, Neil, I am. And I thank uh, everybody at Hot Springs that comes out and says the beautiful things about uh, what we do and, and supports us so uh, so amazingly.
My thanks to Anthony Valinotti from DeLuca's in Hot Springs for spending some time with us. And if you get a chance to go by, I hope you'll enjoy that. Now, continuing with episode four. This is being released the week of July the 1st, so that means lots of things having to do with 4th of July celebrations in Hot Springs and lots of things after the 4th of July weekend. So we always take a look at things to do this week, and of course it's 4th of July weekend, so there are lots, and let's get started with fireworks. Well, the big one is, of course, on July 4th, the classic Lake Hamilton Fireworks, sponsored by Visit Hot Springs. And the music is synced up on US 97. You can find us there at 97.5 FM. Still don't know how they do that. Also on the 4th, fireworks at Mountain Harbors Resort. And on the 4th, the old-fashioned patriotic picnic from 1030 to 4 downtown at the Arlington Park. You can go in for free. They'll ask you to buy a sandwich or some cold drinks. Lots of fun things to do. Music all day long. And the money for that is going to be used to help restore the bathroom house downtown and just before the fourth on wednesday the third you've got spa blast which is the annual family fun at oaklawn racing casino resort gates open at 5 30 to make your way into the infield and lee greenwood will be playing and if that's not enough fireworks on the fifth at magic springs at dark no charge to see them either from their parking lot or along highway 70 on the frontage road please don't stop on highway 70 uh, and the music sync there from our other sister state Cool 101.5. Also, don't forget the Hot Springs Fishing Challenge is still going on. And at this time, the big one, Big Al, has not been caught yet. He's worth 15 grand, plus several other tagged fish that are still for the catching, worth some good money. July the 5th, Gallery Walk Downtown. That's always fun. And Garvin Gardens is doing their summer photo walks through August 10th from fancy cameras to smartphones. The walks last about an hour and a half to two hours. There's different classes at different times, depending on when you want to be there. Contact Garvin Gardens for more information. From dinosaurs to space, all of that at Mid-America Museum all through July. Lots of different summer science camps. Contact Mid-America Museum for more details there, but the kids will love it. And something else happening at Garvin Woodland Gardens Summer Day on Saturday, July 6th. It's a festival day with kids booths open at 9 a.m. It's free for members and it's only $15 for non-members. For you mountain bikers, Saturday, July the 6th, 8.45 in the evening, return to Earth screening at the Northwoods Trail and then a group ride before that at 6.30. And on July 11th, movies at the market. This time it's Ralph Breaks the Internet, 5.30 at the Farmer's Market. The show starts at dark. Now bring your stuff for a picnic, bring your blankets, bring your chairs, but no glass bottles, please. If you like old country music, Ricky Skaggs at Magic Springs on Saturday, July the 13th. You have to buy a ticket to the park, but once you're in, the concert that night is free. Tuesday, July 16th is the full moon ride at Northwoods Trail. Just meet at the trailhead at 6 p.m. And then July 18th through 21st, it's the Vulcan U.S. National Indoor Pickleball Tournament tournament at the Hot Springs Convention Center. What's pickleball? It is apparently really hot and Vulcan is the company that makes the pickleball equipment right here in Hot Springs. That sounds like fun. That's right up your alley. Heck yeah. There's no pickles involved. Aww. My thanks to Jennifer Bailey from our sister station, 105.9 KLAZ. You can enjoy her every weekday afternoon from 2 to 6. And speaking of things to enjoy, lots to enjoy on Lakes Catherine, 
Hamilton, and of course the Washita River. Every week we speak with Kimberly Bogart from Energy Hydro Operations about what you might expect in the coming days. So as we go into the 4th of July, Kimberly, I guess obviously the lake will be unbelievably busy, so probably a safety message to start with, right? Definitely. Um, both Lakes Hamilton and Catherine, like most of the other lakes in Arkansas, are boat at your own risk lakes. There are not shallow buoy markers out there, so always beware. Um, always look for um, logs or anything floating in the lake itself um so you know use common sense out there but definitely have fun just a reminder if you're going out on the lake for the fireworks display know that the sheriff's department will be out there and and make sure your boat's lighted make sure you have the anchor lights on if you're at anchor during the the fireworks display because there's a lot of boat traffic out there if the weather is good yeah and it's not so much the boat traffic as you get out there it's that you know once the fireworks are over everybody's going to tend to leave at the same time so wait for home wait your wait your turn just you know be a good neighbor out there on the lakes what about flows right now not not so much as they impact the lake as they do the river below Remmel. We had a pretty good rainstorm come through two Sundays ago. And with that, it brought Lake Washtaw back up um, in level a little bit. So we're actually able to run recreational flows uh, on a 24-7 basis right now. So that's our projected flow. So you could pretty much, throughout this wonderful holiday week, which we have had a really great weather report for, um, you can pretty much put in at any time of the day. We're talking about if you want to float from Rimmel Dam down to Malvern. Correct. In the Washita River. It's a great river to float. Correct. It's about a three to four hour trip, depending on how long you uh, you stop and visit on the on the couple of gravel bars that are available. But it's it's um, got really great cold water and it's a it's a really great fun family activity for those of you that might not have boats or or want to just enjoy a little short trip out on the water. And and folks might not know while while Entergy owns lakes hamilton and catherine part of your charge is that you make it available for recreation so you guys really pay attention to that we do we do we do um we have a required recreational release for just three consecutive hours on saturdays and sundays but when water is available just like it is right now from this most recent rainstorm we try to provide that recreational flow as often as possible because we think it's a great opportunity for people kimberly bogart from entergy hydro thank you kimberly thank you So that wraps up episode four of Hot Springs this week. Next week, of course, next week, it's the annual break for the baseball all-star game. And of course, baseball has a rich history here in Hot Springs. The foremost historian about spring training where baseball came to get ready in the spring is Mike Dugan, and he's our guest next week. I hope you enjoy this podcast and you will subscribe to it regularly. It's on all of the major platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, so many others. And I hope you'll tell a friend and give us a positive review. You can reach out to us on Twitter at HS This Week. Again, thanks for listening. If you're hearing this before the 4th of July weekend and you're coming to Hot Springs, here's hoping you have a wonderful time on the lakes, watching the fireworks, and all the things that we have to offer here in America's first resort. Hot Springs This Week is a presentation of KZNG News Talk Radio in Hot Springs. Hot Springs.